I think just like creating a lot less friction, you know, I think a lot of businesses, a lot of e-commerce stores, they overcomplicate it because they have one, so many options. And then two, they try to do so many upsells and downsells and they just overcomplicate the process. So um, the biggest thing I think is just the simplicity of it. You know, like you have a simple checkout, you have your testimonies, you have your reviews, you have your security patterns. And that alone now is going to let people feel comfortable now using their autofill now to just fill out, you know, because now people, everybody has it on their phones now for autofill now, you know, so just making that process a lot smoother and a lot easier for the customer at the end of the day, I think that is the biggest thing that um, is from having a profitable store, a profitable store from a non-profitable store, that process right there at the end. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. All right. We made it to a next episode of Entrepreneur Evolved brought to you by Moved. And this is Kevin Joseph out of Texas. You were in Austin or you're now in Austin, but uh, you were in Houston and you help e-commerce brands that don't really have a marketing department scale and grow. What's up, dude? How you doing? Jason, my God, thank you for having me on the show. And I'm, I'm super excited, dude. I like the way that we were talking about this, um, you know, just through Facebook Messenger. I was like, dude, this is going to be a bomb ass episode, man. So I had to jump on, man. So thank you for having me on. Cool. So <laughs> I'm going to jump right into a statement that you had actually posted not very long ago. And it really wasn't yours, but I think that you really highlighted it for a reason because I think you resonated it. And I think I'm going to share it with you and maybe I can get some you know, feedback from you. So you said, the guy said, being held accountable may feel like an attack if you're not ready to acknowledge how your poor decisions impact others. And I thought I'd just get some feedback on what that maybe means to you and why maybe that resonated with you. I think you should say that like one more time. All right, here we go. Let's wrap <laughs> That's how good it is. Let's say it one more Be, time. Being held accountable may feel like an attack if you're not ready to acknowledge how your poor decisions impact others. Yeah. Dude, I think my biggest self philosophy of, of life is really just self-awareness. And it's what I think is my, I feel like that's my superpower of how my actions affect others. And I think if you don't focus on that, then now you become narcissistic because you are not thinking about others. And so now when I tell you about how something's going, instead of thinking it's about me, you're thinking it's about you. And so now the issue is not being resolved. You now have made it about yourself and, and now you have took this into an attack of like, why are you attacking me? But in reality, it's more so we're just trying to make the situation better for everyone, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, yeah. And in this space, um, as you help others in e-commerce, um, e-commerce is quite a business that's kind of quiet in the background. It's not like coaching, right? It's, it's not, um, it, it's the, pr- the production of products. It's not a lot of relationships. And in that, I think what you're, what you even probably highlighted this, and I agree is that when somebody actually says, will you help me? And then they say, yes, you can't really be mad in the way they help you. Does that sound maybe right? 
Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I guess there's a line there, right? <laughs> it, it, there's a line. I think clarity and and um, trans uh, transparency um, mm-hmm. is the biggest thing that um in 2021 businesses have to focus on transparency especially like in the coaching space before you sign up for a 9800 program it's group coaching you know like you don't really know what's going on like that way of business is i think is dying and now you know like businesses have to be much more transparent with you know what they're selling and so um yeah i you know, to a fault, like, yeah, you can't be mad, but you also should know what the fuck you're buying. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I think that even the statement just goes in general, not just in coaching, is that if you're if you're going to have somebody help you and you trust them, right? That, I think right. That statement that's is- the biggest thing right there. If you trust them, exactly. Perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect. Because even if somebody's going to push you, they're trying to get you through the pain to get to the next level. Absolutely. Right. So let's take that pressure, the impact of poor decisions or good decisions or acknowledging there was a time in your life where you probably had a pressure that said, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. And that was where your good or bad decisions started. (laughs) And what was the what was the first uh, what was your first experience in that? Yeah, just the story of just how I got into entrepreneurship in general is I don't know. It's it's a funny one to me because it's kind of like common sense, right? Um, so when I was in college, I my senior year, I got a full time job offer to work at like a railroad company, a railroad company, and it was great. You know, it was cool. Like you know, they offered me sixty k coming out the gate. You know, I'm twenty one years old. I'm like, I'm making sixty k. I'm making more than all my friends. Like, what you mean? Like, trains are cool too. <laughs> He said, well, yeah, and trains are, yeah, trains, you know, I've actually love, you know, Tommy the train, you know, like choo, 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 like, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, from there, I went to go take a uh, physical. And so during this physical, I was under the assumption that I was just going to be taking a drug test and heightened weight, and then I was going to bounce. And so I went up there and I took the drug test, but it wasn't just a drug test. It was like a drug test, a reading, a hearing test, a colorblind test, a hearing test. Like, yeah, they really had me like test and tested, you know? And so I just mentally really wasn't prepared for it. And so um, after I do all that, I come back home, you know, chill. A week or two goes by and I wake up one morning and I get an email from the company and says, Hey, Kevin, unfortunately, we have to uh, revoke our offer because you have failed one of our tests. And I was like, what? This not real. Let me go check my computer because, you know, maybe my phone is like tripping, you know? And so I check my computer and yeah, it says it, you know? And so I'm like, I'm just so confused. And then five minutes later, I get a call from one of the directors. She's telling me, Oh, hey, Kevin, uh, just to let you know, you um, failed our colorblind test. And have you ever took a colorblind test, Jason? I haven't, man. Yeah, it's dude. It's very simple. It's it's imagine like a very like a palmlet, you know, hand palmlet book, and there's corresponding colors and patterns that are in it. <clears throat> and then there's a number or a letter or a symbol that's hidden 
in those corresponding colors, you know, so you can just be able to tell. And so I'm just going through it, you know, seven, 11, two, five, seven, six. All right, bet. Cool. We done. All right. Thanks. And so she says, yeah, you feel like colorblind says you missed two. You can only miss one. And so we had to revoke the offer. I was like, I wasn't even taking that for real, bro. Like, what you mean? Like, I can take it again. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's, <laughs> she's nah, sorry. You know, we had to revoke it. And so I'm just like, bro, what the fuck? Like, yeah, dude, first like, one, you don't get, you're not, now you don't, you're not getting the position. And then two, you're like, now I got to go find out what's wrong with me. Like, but the thing is, I'm not colorblind. Like, I just wasn't oh, paying attention. Oh, you won't even colorblind. Yeah, I just oh, I just wasn't paying attention. Like, dude, like when I tell you, and that's why I like explain mm, like mm, I wasn't paying attention. Like, <laughs> yeah, I got it. I was literally just like, I was not prepared to do all of that. And so, like, you know, I was just like, dude, I just want to get out of here, bro. Like, whatever. Like, I don't care about this. Okay, here. And so, yeah, like because of my lack of detail, like I failed that hoe. And so, yeah. Wow. And that, yeah. you know what? That's like, that's looking back, that's some really good clarity. Like I failed something that made me somebody that I'm not at all from right. through. <laughs> right, right, dude. So, like, so that yeah. created a sense for you that you recognized in your personal life that you're just running through life is that kind of what you were nah. feeling nah not really dude like <laughs> i mean i wish you know i feel like that would have been much more motivational to think like that but i was just like fuck bro like damn that's like really fucked up like you know and i had a corporate internship um before you know so i had a corporate internship this summer that summer so i graduated in december so um, I that summer, a couple months ago, I had a corporate internship. And so I kind of saw how the, co the corporate world was like ran. <clears throat> and I just wasn't really a big fan of it. You know, like, I just wasn't really a fan of just, you know, having like a 50 year old white, a 50 year old white male boss. Like, I just was just like, you know, I'm, I'm good off it. And so, yeah, when they revoked the offer, I was like, fuck, dude, like, man, that shit sucks. Um, Looked on them for a couple more jobs. I don't even know what I was looking for. And then I was just like, you know what? I Googled how to make money online, you know? And I just went through a couple articles and I just was reading. And then I found out about this one thing. It was called hey, Google, Google, stop. My Google Home, when you said how to find uh, money oh, online, it started uh, giving me an answer. <laughs> that's hilarious. Whoa, that's funny. She's already ready. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't understand. Anyways, so go ahead. So you went on there. You were online. I apologize. It was <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah. So I looked up how to make it online. And uh, yeah, it just showed me a bunch of things. And then I found out about affiliate marketing. And so I was just like, okay, yeah, you get paid for selling other people's stuff. Oh, that's cool. You know, like I technically don't have to have a business. I just got to like find people to buy their shit. And then I find out about high ticket affiliate marketing. That's when I was like, oh, this shit is dope. Like I can sell this thing for $5,000 and get a commission of $2,000 and I don't have to do nothing. I just got to send them over there, <laughs> sign me up. And so, yeah, I signed on with this uh, like affiliate marketing company and like imagine me at 21 years old and I had to pay, like I had to buy the actual rights to sell their stuff. And so I had to pay like 
15 like i think i pay like 18 or 20k plus like and so yeah so you can imagine like <clears throat> as a 21 year old like bro where am i gonna find twenty one thousand dollars? like where like how and so i searched high and i searched low and i basically found a financing company um to help me get a friend of mine approved and so a friend of mine took the risk with me and he was just like, yeah, dude, this shit makes sense. Like, cool. Like all I got to do is do this. And like, it's not my own money too. It's just like a finance bet. Let's do it. He's like 22 year old too. So like, we're both just like, whatever. So yeah, I did it. Right. Yeah, exactly. At that point it was like, fuck it. So yeah, yeah, we did it. Um, ended up moving back to Houston and I ended up doing like, okay, with the company, like, you know, like I made money with it. Um, and I just understood how affiliate marketing worked. But the thing was, I had to learn how to advertise because obviously I could just come up to you, Jason, and be like, hey, Jason, you want to buy this, you know, $25,000 product? No. So I had to, so understanding how affiliate marketing works is kind of like just like MLM, you know, it's kind of like a pyramid. And so you have people that, you know, you sign up, they're above you, you have people below you, et cetera. So the person that was in my downline fortunately reached out to me. He's like, Hey dude, I saw you just signed up for my shit. Like, you know, obviously the more successful you are, the more successful I will be. So, you know, I can look at you, like show you like how to make sales. Obviously I just spent $21,000. I'm like, bro, you could teach me how to tie a fucking shoe. Like I'm listening, like, <laughs> like, come on. And so he taught me Facebook ads, okay. so he taught me how to do Facebook advertising. Um, and so when he taught me that I was like running ads and getting it, this is like, you know, 2000, I'm, I'm 27. So this is like 2000, like 15, you know, 2000, yeah, it's about 2015, 2016. So Facebook ads is not what Facebook ads is today. Like, it's like, you know, this was like the wild, wild west. Like, you know, you say, you know, buy this for free and you got everybody signing up, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, I was making, you know, it was cool. You were getting like half cent and one penny. Yeah, man, like, you know, the cost cost per purchases was like four bucks on the average, you know, like it was, life was good back then, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I, I had some success with it and it was cool. And then from there, the uh, company ended up getting shut down because it was a scam because like they weren't fulfilling like the stuff that we were selling so it was like this whole ordeal. People was committing suicide. It was like a whole crazy thing. And so, yeah, dude, it was nuts, bro. And so- um, that's, a lot, that's a lot to take in. Watching a company collapse as you go in and there's- like, Dude, dude, uh, what? It was crazy, bro. It was crazy. And so I was just like, yeah, I don't know about affiliate marketing anymore, but I understood ads. You know, that was like the, you know, so since I understood ads, I was just like, you know, I feel like I can just like run ads for people, you know, like, why not? Like I did it for myself. Why can't I just do it for somebody else? And then like, yeah, that was like the intro to like me going into entrepreneurship. So did, you do, did you do the sales for that company for the affiliate? You actually did the sales, right? <laughs> nah, nah. Like it, they had their own salespeople. So I just had to get people through the funnel and then from there get people to fill out the applications. So, you, so your job at the time is dri- you were a traffic driver. <laughs> Yeah, literally just lead generation, just straight lead gen. Like I just get as many people to this people and then a half of those, a percentage is going to convert and then I'm going to get a percentage of those people's commissions. So since Bernie, so Bernie Madoff owned the company you're saying, and after that, <laughs> it didn't work out. 
And so that's like the, it's like the fire fest of like internet marketing companies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? If you right. think about it, um, it was interesting. You were just, you, you said something, you were like, you know, it was, it was really good back then. And, you know, I kind of was just thinking a minute, I was like, if you go back in five year periods, there actually is always a, an area that's just like, man, it was so good. Right. It was like, oh, somebody's saying it was so good, you know? And so you made the transition kind of the, is it pivot from that is that you made the transition and you added skills to your life really and you'd gone to college you had then seen so many ways of going out of it you probably have some opinions about college that are different after you got out and said i'm going to go hustle so then what was the next move after college yeah well yeah that's what i was telling you the story of like no after i apologize after um that next after the company had Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was just like, I can just run ads for myself, you know. Like, I'm sorry, I can run ads for other people. Yeah. Because I don't need to start my own thing. Kind of similar mindset of just like, dude, just bring people business to their stuff, and they can take care of it. Like, I don't want to do that. Um. And so, yeah, dude, I just like did so many different niches. It's like obviously hilarious looking back at it now. But yeah, man, I did like real estate agents. I did dentists, chiropractors. You know, I don't know why, like, you know, the thing is, like, when you start internet marketing is to work with dentists and chiropractors. Like, I never, I never got that. Like, do you, is it just because, like, oh, like, it's just teeth. It's easy. Like, I, you know, I, I just never got it. But, like, that's the thing of, like, when you get in an online space to work with dentists and chiropractors. I think that I can maybe have a reason. Um, I think it's because those were one of the first frameworks that were created. Uh, what then I think I, I don't have that's that's not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but if I were to use a little bit of common sense, I would probably say it's because it was the first frameworks and you have enough of them. I mean, for crying out loud, you have a dental school that's breeding new dental offices right. a week. So yeah, I think true and chiropractors as well. And also maybe because um, your ROI on those, you can get the volume because they're repeatable. Like, hey, I got to come back to you. That's right. What. And then they're dinner. So they're just like, yeah, I get it. So but, did you move to e-com? So then you moved to e-com, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I went to, um, yeah, dude, I, I did real estate agents. I did, you know, dentist chiropractors. I did all the way to exotic as like exotic dog breeders, you know, like I, I saw that you uh, in one of your areas, you're like, uh, what are you <laughs> helping serious dog breeders sell their exotic puppies through online marketing? Uh, the online marketing, bro. Like, yes, bro. <laughs> was that, your blue ocean? Huh? that was your blue ocean for sure. Right. I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna be like, this is going to be it. Like exotic dog breeders. Psh, that shit did not work. No. And so, yeah, I ended up getting, um, so during me, like getting my own clients, I ended up signing up with a uh, working partnering up with an, a startup ad agency based out of Boston. And so, um, like, it was pretty cool. Like, you know, it was like three dudes based out of Boston, you know, they work for Converse, um, and they had like their own clients, you know, and they had some like pretty big clients, um, and so they just need somebody on their Facebook side to like help them with the ads. And so I found them through Upwork. And we just worked together, you know, it, it was cool. I was getting paid like 50 plus an hour, you know, um, probably made like over like, you know, 
20,000 with them over like a couple months of working together. Um, but that really gave me like some like real fast experience, especially with e-commerce. Like I'm talking about, I was managing like 10 plus accounts and the average spend is like 500 K a month, you know? And so I was working with some seven, eight, nine figure stores. And so I got to see like how this shit works like really fast. And so from there, like I just started focusing straight up mostly on e-commerce and then I started just media buying for other stores and I mean, for other businesses and other brands uh, and just helping them. And then, you know, from there, <clears throat> things kind of slowed down with the uh, ad agency. And then from there, like, we just didn't see, we had different viewpoints. So we just moved in a different direction. Still like, you know, great companions. I still saw them to this day, but, you know, just moved different um, directions. And then, um, yeah, just started working with different brands from there. Um, and that's where I like got really heavy in the e-commerce space of having, then I had the, I had an ad agency, had, I had an ad agency um, and I did that and I ended up hating it, dude. It was like so terrible is cause you think that's like, I just want to keep running ads for da 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 da, but nah, man, and that's when I came up with the uh, consulting agency because I saw the issue because I was like, dude, like, this is stupid. Like I'm trying to charge this person fucking four thousand dollars a month and they're only making like seven thousand and then i need ads i need ad money from them too so then like now like they're looking at me like yeah this shit gotta work you know because if it don't work yeah. if they don't make that money right. back that's because you spend money on ads doesn't mean people are going to buy your shit right <laughs> right and and they don't know that they're like oh no this is facebook so like i have a credit card so if I pay money and I'm paying you, it should work, right? And I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. But when you are being paid as a performer, they're expecting results. Mm -hmm. And that's where the frustration kept happening for me and the friction kept happening for me. Just getting clients one month, two months, breaking up, one month, breaking up, three weeks, breaking up not getting the results, breaking up. Like it was just became so fucking annoying, bro. And I was just like, yeah, you guys don't need, and you guys don't need an agency. Somebody needs to just show you how to do this shit. Mm. And if I just showed you how to do it, now you can just take that knowledge and now you can do whatever the fuck you want with it because you understand how to do it. So that's when I started like thinking of having, creating a consulting agency. Mm. And then, yeah, I did it. And then, so now, um, now from there, just now just having different offers with the agency and just trying to find the best way. So now I created an accelerator, you know, it's a 12 accelerator that we now bring e-commerce and coaches through because, you know, I did coaching. And so, and now we create the strategy for you. So now it's just like, dude, we're our team of experts. Like this is now like your instant marketing dream team for you. And we're gonna create this bomb ass strategy for you and not only we're going to create it for you, now we're going to show you how to do it. Like, we're going to show your team how to do it. So now, like, no one's confused. And so now, like, after this plan is done, you can keep working with us and we can keep showing you how to do it. Or you can just take what you have and go. Like, but either way, you're going to be better off, you know? We run a similar program. Our digital growth method runs similar to that. <clears throat> and I always say, and it's so so good to bring this statement up with you on the on the, on the call, is I say... I always tell them you can get off the train if you want. 
Exactly. I'm going to take you to a certain destination. And then there's a time when you can, you have a choice to get off the train. So let's, let's kind of, kind of pivot here a little bit. And let's talk a little bit about e-com. Um, who, who, who do you, out of that experience, it sounds like your experience is very, uh, very wide, meaning uh, someone has a $3,000 ad spend. And then now you have, you were running some that were had $500,000 ad spend. Right. What is some mental, um, what are some mental frameworks or the way that people should look at ads when they're a small company compared to a big company at that size, half a million dollars. And there's a different beast. You know? Absolutely. I was running $30,000 a month in my e-commerce store until I made some pivots to transfer some organic stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. But, but once you start breaking the 30 and 50 and a hundred thousand dollars a different, it's a different beast. Yeah. It's a different beast. Is this, is this a different, this a different, like you're saying, a different mindset, not even a different beast. It's a different mindset. Yeah, I agree. And you have longer, um, you have legs, right? For lack of better words, like you, you right. have, you have, um, you can add more stages to your funnel because they're, they're further. So who should, you know, we do it in certain areas, but in e-com at what time should somebody start looking at running ads? Should they, yeah. Uh, what's what's that maybe trigger that you found yeah for sure um honestly i it just really depends on the entrepreneur and their you know and their budget you know how much can you afford to spend um if i started the e-commerce store now i have a bit of some leg room you know to run ads and so but if you don't then you should probably get some organic sales first you know prove that concept get some reviews coming in and then yeah but um, I would say minimum budget that somebody should have for ads. If you just actually just really want to make a dent is a thousand to 1500, you know, just, and that's not me saying, and a lot of the times I'm sure you can agree with this as well too. Like when people hear the word, oh, what's my budget? They're thinking of how much can I spend without making anything back? It's so true. And <laughs> so anyway, is- how much, is- how much am I willing to spend? Sorry, dude. No, 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 dude. You're good. You're cool. Good. Then that's why I was like, I know, I know you. Like, I already know you're gonna agree with me, dude. Like, it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. What, why do you think? What am I willing to lose? Which right. Is what I'm gonna call a budget. <laughs> right. Literally. Literally. Like, like tit for tat, dude. Like, why do you think that is? Do you think it's just lack of knowledge? I think it's just lack of trust. I mean. You know, it's, it's like, I'm going to give you this money in the majority of these situations that you don't know the person very well and you don't know Facebook very well. So really you're, you're going, I'm, I have no control. Right. Right. And so the only thing that I think people have control of is I did not get any sales. So, and, and that is something that I think people can attach to very quickly. I did not get sales. That's a very easy statement to complain about. I, I don't want to say right. But that's just an eat. It's just a a low hanging fruit. So if you drive backwards a little bit, what would that next question be? Right? It'd be like if they were a little bit more articulated in that, might be like, how many people did we drive to the sales page? Right. Right. And then from there, you articulate. Now, if somebody has the ability to dive in, then they're going to then start asking questions about the sales page and the price and everything like that. I think um, maybe you would agree with this is. 
It's almost like gambling to some people. Ads are perfect, and that's where and that's where I talk about the them putting having a credit card and saying, "Oh yeah, I'm paying for ads now." Like my store should be, well, this isn't working. Facebook ads don't work. Ma'am, you spent one fifty. <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> like what do you mean like your average order value is 250 you spent 150 dollars man what do you mean like it's yeah for sure i think i definitely agree <laughs> i think e-commerce is is an amazing space because it's scalable what's one of the fun, what's the one of the funniest products you've ever seen um man some funny products that i've seen i've seen i've just seen people just like really just looking to like have this idea and me as a marketer and and this was before you know the biggest thing jason that i think i've really grown to be through my experience of working with different people is acknowledging that they're hiring me to be their their coach their leader and tell them yes or no you know, before I would get clients and I know the answer, but they're like, no, nah, I want to do it like this. And me saying, okay, well, that's the way you want to do it. Like, I'll try to adapt. And then the shit doesn't work. And then I, they look at me. And so products like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Like, that's true. That is true. It, it's, um, it's, it's uh, how, do you, how do you how do you put that into play? I th- I think that um, what people don't recognize is that they really don't even know who you are. They they really don't, and they really don't. And I think that there's this area where when you're playing really small, and I think it's like you want them to you want to be you want to feel more important to people, but you realize you don't you have to get more people to find those people that give a shit about you. And I think that's kind of hard for people to think. When I started my e-commerce business, um, I purchased it off of someone else that had a system which allowed me to really scale quickly. And I remember when I took that company over and probably tell the story a few times as I go through this podcast, but ultimately um, I remember just saying, walking in and the relationships that they had with the vendors were terrible. Like they were just horrible. And when the vendors are bad, you really don't have any leverage to really help the customer in dire need. When the person's in bad shape, if you have a vendor non-relationship, they can't pull the plug for you. They can't send, hey, I'm going to overnight it to you. Hey, I'm going to fix it for you. You have no relationships. So when I went in, I made a decision that I told all the staff is like, I don't give a shit about the customers right now. And they looked at me and they're like, are you out of your mind? I said, I'm not so much saying screw the customer. I said, let's just back off on all the emotional problems they have. And let's just go see if we can take that energy and fix the vendor. Because I know that if I can fix the vendor and the relationships, I can get them to support us fixing our customer problems. Instead exactly. of me trying to just be that one to do it to be that one person to do it all exactly, and you get that backing of your vendor, right? And I thought that that was like so important, and I think that that's something that you're bringing up about relationships. Um, you know, Facebook now has only five thousand friends that you can have. 
Well, there's 220 million people. Let's just use the United States. You only get 5,000. And I think that, I think we're going to, if you consider that's your neighborhood, Mm -hmm. you know, exactly. So I thought I'd, I'd I'd make another shift for you. One, I'm going to, I'm going to transition into this, the cover photo on your, on your, um, on your cover. And I'm going to say this. Wouldn't you agree that Thailand has the best street t-shirts anywhere? Dude, oh my gosh, what? Oh my gosh, dude, yes. Thailand was such a great trip. I love Thailand, man. Thailand, I'm just so appreciative that I went to go to that place. Yeah, it is. So I I was going to say this, and I I think you've been there. I haven't been there. But it has been a, a driving spot for entrepreneurs for a while. Everybody used to talk about Ibiza, which they probably will, which is kind of a a wild trip. But Mm. Tulum, you've been to Tulum? Tulum, Mexico. Yeah, dude. Oh, man, Mexico's my shit. Yeah. So why are entrepreneurs um, being drawn there, do you think? So cheap, dude. Like, have you been to Mexico? Well, I'm here in San Diego and, you know. Right. Oh, my gosh. Like, the Uh, value of your dollar is so much better. Like, a peso compared to a dollar, I think it's like 19 to 1, 18 to 1, 18 to 20 to 1, like around that. So, I mean, yeah, man, like it's, it's great. You know, everything's cheaper there. The, the quality of food is higher. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the biggest misconception is like the crime, you know, because like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, you go to Mexico, you end up getting kidnapped. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you can obviously, like, we've seen people come into schools and shoot, like, what like what you mean like you talking about you're worried about you going out being safe and why meanwhile you're not worried enough enough about like your cousin like going to school like you know what i'm saying like that's happening here i'm not hearing about that in mexico you know so yeah (laughs) i'm not hearing about that in mexico you know what i'm saying they 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 looking at us they're having some shootings out there though pretty much no 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 no. for sure i'm not this is not me saying like mexico is just a safe i know i know i'm just asking (laughs) i I think that i think mexico is incredible i guess my question is why are people migrating to tulum what is it about this environment that people are coming together into tulum i yeah man i after going there i get it it's it's definitely like the upcoming Cancun. It's like the newest because the biggest tourist spots, tourist spots usually were Cabo, Cancun, you know, like Cabo, Cancun. And now for Tulum to be a 90 minute drive away, it's like whoever's taking care of Tulum, like the tourist wise, like it's growing so much popular. It's, it's so, it's heavy, heavy. I think the worst thing about Tulum is what's really holding them back is like their seaweed problem. It's like really, really mm. like, yeah, the seaweed there is like really bad, you know. So I think that's like a their their biggest main problem, like especially for expansion. But yeah, man, like they're, they're developing it, it, their tourist stuff so much. Of it. it just seems retreat driven. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's real, but like it's it's just it's a lot better than Cancun because Cancun is like it's so touristy, like it's it's almost becomes unenjoyable. You know, like being everywhere you turn, someone asking to do something for you or to get you to go somewhere for money. And Tulum being much more, it's, it's kind of like, imagine Cancun being LA and Tulum being San Diego. So I think that, um, the, I think people, as this pandemic starts to open up, I think people are gonna do more of those type of things. 
And I think I where guy, where people are, I think that there's this separation, maybe it's coming together, but there's this interesting thing that I'm, and maybe you're noticing this too, but it's almost, there's this, uh, there was this phase of separation that the internet gave you. It was almost like when you got on the internet, AOL was almost like, oh, we can just look at this stuff. It's super slow. And then all of a sudden the internet kind of, it would, because transactions were e-commerce driven, it, they weren't very communication driven. And now we got Facebook, LinkedIn, then it was drive as many people into there. What do you think that's happening in business where people are coming back to those organic relationships? What are, what are the things that people are yearning, do you think? Um, I think because of COVID, now that we were forced to stay inside, now that everything's coming back up, we're much looking for those now organic, actual relationships. I'm looking for a reason now to come out the house, and that makes me want to build a community, you know, within myself, you know, for my family, my friends, et cetera. So I think that's, I think that's a really strong reason, especially now, you know, that the, the pandemic is, you know, lighting up in more places now. Yeah. I think that, that, that sense of community, and I think it's just people want to connect. And mm -hmm. I think people also realize like help actually helping people. And you see a lot of this mentality like in Thailand and things like that. There's just that natural connecting with people, you know, right. I'm old, you know, let me, you know, would you like to get coffee, just having that kind of feeling. Um, I noticed in one of your videos, this is hilarious. And I did start laughing. I think um, I, I thought I'd get your opinion on this, but you did a video of, of redoing uh, MTV Cribs. Mm, yeah, yeah. And you were hilarious. You've made a comment in there and blah, blah, blah. It was, it was funny. It was a funny thing. What do you think it is about MTV Cribs back in the day that made that such a hit? And I think it was like, if I could be the, like, and I always, when I go into a house, I always say it still, I'm like, empty, this is an MTV Cribs. Right, easily, yeah, dude. It was just like, it, it's- What do you think MTV captured during that time period? What do you think they were doing? The transparency, the transparency of people of stardom. You know, like, dude, your favorite, you get to see how your favorite rapper actually lives. Like, what? Your favorite singer, your favorite movie star, how, like, Hell yeah. Like, and of course they're going to make it even more extravagant. So like, this makes it that much better. Like, oh man, I, I, I know like some people would be, oh man, I can lay in rest to know what JLo's bedroom looks like. Like, wow. Like my day is fulfilled. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's um, making them people. What do you mean? just making them human like oh right yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah exactly making celebrities human exactly facts i agree so you had a, a statement that was um, back there you said recently i've been reading older books because i remember mm -hmm. how impactful the book was at the time what were maybe some books or um type of books that that statement dude um yeah, man, a, a book that I've probably read like three times now is uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller. Um, have you read that book before? I have not. Dude, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so good, man. Basically, it just talks about like a lot of the times that we focus on, you know, doing a whole task list of things to do. But really, if you ask yourself, what's the one thing that I could do to make this easier 
and make everything else like, you know, pretty much irrelevant that I, that I could do. And so like, once you start to ask yourself that one question, you know, about different areas of your life, your business, it now creates a much greater pattern of thinking. So instead of saying, okay, well, what's the one way that I can make, you know, um, you know, instead of thinking, man, I want to make $10,000 for my e-com store this month, you know, now your question is, well, what's the one thing I could do, like, you know, just to, to get as many sales as possible to my store, where if I just did this, well, this one thing, like, everything else would be pretty much easier, and, like, I wouldn't even need to do it, you know, like, and it just, man, like, you're thinking, it, you just start thinking so much bigger, you know, like, you're not thinking of in the weeds anymore, because you're just essentially thinking of a possibility, you know, and those possibilities, one of them just could work (laughs) because you're like, well, if I could do this, well, what else would I need to do to do that? Well, Mm -hmm. I just would need to do this and do that. And then, well, if I just needed to do that and do that, well, then to do that, I'll just need to do this. Like just be overreaching for that possibility, dude. It's like, yeah, it's definitely helped me to just one, become a lot more focused instead of trying to like focus and pulling all these levers. Now focus on now, okay, hey, like, what's the one thing we really need to be focusing on to like really reach our goal? And I think that, um, especially when you deal with e-com there, you use that one thing is also like, let's just do one test. Right. Just Mm -hmm. one. And and I guess going into, um, uh, e-com, um, as you're doing tests through e-com, um, what are you finding some of the smallest move that people can actually get some traction like what would be that thing that they need to do is it copy testing offers offers yep it's the offer itself is the biggest thing dude like it's crazy how much when people come to e-com and they feel like oh well all i need to do is just say hey you know buy this now at 10 percent off and if you slice your wrists and, you know, write your name in blood, we'll give you an extra 10% off for 20. Like, dude, like nobody cares about your discount anymore. You know, like now, like what's in it for me. And so oh, now okay, just think okay. of- that was good. Nobody cares about your discount anymore. That was yeah. good. with, without context. I think what you're saying. Nobody- yeah, with, exactly. 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 Without, thank you for clearing that up for me. Yes. Without context, nobody cares about your discount. Mm, exactly and so now if you can give me a discount with an offer you know now like it makes it makes it more enticing hey you know get this um get our um get our you know this is only one of a hundred um canvases made and we're giving this canvas away and if you get our canvas you know now then we'll give you this you know lamp for you know a uh, uh, 30% off at checkout, but only like today is like, and so now you're like, oh shit, like, yeah, like it's a one-on-one, you know, one out of a hundred canvas, like, you know, and it's, you know, speaking to me like that, like, let me, let me get some action and go towards it. instead of just saying, hey, our canvas is 10% off, like, get it. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to just put my email in and just wait for some more coupons. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think that also just, just a discount cheapens what you sell. Absolutely. I agree. hundred percent. 
So there was now a you, now you're on this brand to just give you discounts after discount. Exactly. You, you become a swap meet, basically, of, mm. of products that you get out there. You become a swap meet easily. So there was like these shifts. And I'm going to go back in how e-commerce was ran for a long time. There was these openers of, um, of when things changed. And what I mean by that is that uh, when, we, we, when we would sell items online for a lot, there was always the friction in the one click that wasn't there, meaning like automated, uh, uh, automated um, credit card numbers, um, things like uh, passwords weren't there. And when we would sell a lot, we would get people to the end, but we really couldn't see what happened. And right. now we can see those things. What are some things that you see are barriers of people making decisions to buy or not to buy? Because that, for us, one of the things when we would drive tr that much traffic to, one of the small reasons that they wouldn't purchase, we would have to get over them actually going and getting their wallet in the other room. Then we would have to deal with them having to maybe speak with their daughter. Now their daughter says, hey, I have a, you know, can you help me with my homework? And then you leave and you would have won that product from that person, but they had moved their, their human pattern to a different focus. Right, focus. Absolutely. What are some things that have changed in e-commerce that made it easier for people to buy? Or what were some of those things that you think just made it easier? Dude, that Amazon, bro. Amazon changed the game, bro, with the one by click, bro. What? Oh my gosh, the Amazon one by click, bro, is like easily Remember like one of the crazy. Oh my, that was easily one of like the craziest things I've seen in e-commerce, bro. Like literally, just like put everything in cart and like just buy, or not even everything in cart. Like literally, just pick it, buy, like and it's there, like it's it, like no card info, like no nothing, like it's on the way, and we taking the money out, like yeah, it's it's done, like man. So I think I think a lot of people had to adapt to that <laughs> for sure. Still adapting. Yeah, that one by that's only because they actually hold your credit card information. Right. Exactly. Have you found it difficult to get small businesses not on Amazon to be able to hold, like have that kind of feature? No. So it's, I see what you're saying now. So now we're talking about, I was, in, I thought we we're just talking just about just like in general game changes for yeah. Yeah, general. So now talking about smaller stores, I think just like creating a lot less friction, you know, I think a lot of businesses, a lot of e-commerce stores, they overcomplicate it because they have one, so many options. And then two, they try to do so many upsells and downsells and they just overcomplicate the process. So um, the biggest thing I think is just the simplicity of it. You know, like you have a simple checkout, you have your testimonies, you have your reviews, you have your security patterns. And that alone now is going to let people feel comfortable now using their autofill now to just fill out, you know, because now people, everybody has it on their phones now for autofill now, you know? So just making that process a lot smoother and a lot easier for the customer at the end of the day, I think that is the biggest thing that um, is from having a profitable store, a profitable store from a non-profitable store, that process right there at the end. Yeah, I, it was, I remember we just would sit there and be like, I remember, because my original background really was a sales background. 
And I just remember in my mind looking at all those people, I'm like, why aren't they buying? And then I kept thinking like, they got to go get their credit cards. Like that, right. like that. And I remember when it was like, if they could just have one click with trust, man, we would be killing it. You know? Right, right. It's it crazy. Exactly. Like when they did that, it was just that simple. You're right. It was just like, you would buy it. You wouldn't go and have any pattern interrupts, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. So- exactly. One of the things you had said in uh, a little bit ago is that you had um, hit one of your largest months ever. And I had made a note here on exactly what you had said. In April, we had one of the highest months in revenue ever. And that includes uh, Black Friday sales. I thought this was a really interesting conversation. And I think you probably could talk a little bit about this is um, people don't always make all their money in e-commerce in the same every month there's seasons to this yeah, seasons for sure and i thought i'd just get your a little bit more context behind you did hit your <laughs> biggest month but what does that mean to other people of why you said uh, includes um that includes black friday sales like why would you separate? right yeah because yeah <laughs> you already know this is going yeah for sure you know um I transparency is my biggest thing you know and i would never want to think that's like the real notes, you know? And so like, I like, yeah, if I'm saying, oh yeah, like we got our biggest numbers in November, like just whatever, without acknowledging that, like you, cause you are in e-commerce, you know. And so you're just like, oh, I see what he's trying to do, you know? Like it's, it's, it's no reason to do it, you know? And so I think it's just a one, it's an education thing for people who, who don't understand that. And so they're now they're not just thinking it's just like, oh, a regular month, like this guy's just killing it. They have understanding that it's Black Friday and also acknowledge the transparency and so on the other side. You know, it's not like people are like looking out to judge for me, but as you're bringing it up, like it, it's that check not of like, yeah, okay, like, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a transparent guy, like, you know, for sure. And Black Friday is like an interesting time, right? Because so it's a it's a Super Bowl for e-commerce. Like that's easily what I call it every year. It's a Super Bowl for e-commerce. Like, you know, I think I think e-com brands should at least have two huge days of the year. I think for the for the brand that I'm working with right now, theirs is the Fourth of July because they're a military company, a military owned and operated company, and so there's Fourth of July and Black Friday. You know, I think Amazon has Amazon Day, Black Friday. You know, like. Um, there should be there should be some type there should be two like huge days like you know for your company including one of them should be black friday the other one obviously should be whenever you know but like it should at least be two what percentage of sales um are you noticing that come from black friday throughout a year in annual revenue total and that's a that's a really good question um that i don't have an answer to because i just haven't looked at analytics like that if i were just to guess guesstimate let's say if a company's doing a million in a year i would say at least black friday would at least at least make up about like just like not even just black friday but let me just go with black friday in the holiday period at least like a, a solid 30 percent you know I got at least a solid th- <laughs> at least a solid 30 percent dude like yeah that's what i was thinking and <laughs> and i think that what i was bringing out in this and i think it's i'm gonna see if i can connect some dots here and maybe some people can connect this or that are listening to this is like when black friday comes around or july 4th comes around 
And what you're sharing is pick two days that are going to be your big days. It doesn't matter what they are. Now they'll probably be, they'll be relevant to the people you're selling to. I guess that there's right. Exactly. Right. But I think what you're sharing is that you create two times a year that you hyper focus promotion. Right. And you take your whole organization and they all know that they're on the train to go and literally go do this one thing. We have one promotion. That's all we're focused on. Everybody from the stock boy to the, you know, the accounting, they all know that this is a big push. Right. It's probably healthy for your team as well, where you can re you can reunite them as a team and get them to like get some major victories throughout the year. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, dude, I, I never thought of it like that, but like that makes hella sense, man. Like, yeah, I mean, because everybody knows like July 4th is like it's time, like it's focus time. You know, everybody knows like Black Friday, like was grind time. Like, this is it. Like, this is what we've been working for. Like, <laughs> like this is it. It's, it's such a crucial, like it's it's a very crucial part to companies' annual goals, you know, like for sure is those those holiday black especially and that let's even just count out like if you just have one black friday like black friday is a huge chunk of what e-commerce stores it can literally make or break an e-commerce store big time yeah for sure yeah um in in e-commerce it's 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 an interesting journey uh in e-com um what are some of the frameworks of how or let's say business structures i was sharing with you that we had you know, an 8,000 square foot facility. And, you know, it had, we had the racks and we were shipping just so many pairs of sunglasses. It was wild, right? Yeah. What are some of the, the operational stru structures that you're noticing on, um, let's say, are, is it drop shipping? Are you noticing people bringing stuff in house? Are you noticing more people doing Amazon? Um, more so like to answer your question, Jason, I think a, a lot of the things I'm really noticing now is, um, having U.S. vendors, um, because essentially you, you can still do drop shipping, but the issue with drop shipping is the timing. Like no one is gonna, no one wants to wait fucking twenty to thirty days for a product. Like I don't even, I don't even remember if I bought it anymore. You know, that's and true. So a lot of people now are having to really move to U.S. vendors um, to do their drop shipping, and so now they can have still have. The luxury of not having the stuff in-house but now they have you know there's a lot more u.s vendors i think now are popping up because they they know the issue they know that drop shipping is such a it's a great business model you know but it's dying because of that timing you know and it's cheap quality and so now you're getting so what quality. You're to, to kind of i'm sorry to cut you off i just thought it was a really yeah please no, yeah so what, what you're saying is like the drop shipping has, uh, because you can attach yourself to any product, there's not a lot of quality driven to it. Right. No emotion connection to the product. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, as you're saying, they're starting to have U.S. vendors. What do, you, what do you think the cost basis are going to affect these people? Do you think that they're going to get, they're going to move towards a more of a branding type than a product driven? Right. And that's, and, and that's what now I'm noticing because you have to, you know, because you're using, you're working with a vendor now. And so like, yeah, like I'm seeing a lot more drop shipping brand focused, you know, 
stores now because yeah, the, 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 everybody's becoming a lot more smarter and educated, you know, including the buyer. And so the buyer is now starting to notice a dropshipping website compared to a, dra- a brand driven website. And so now the days of having fucking a hundred items on your store and you just being super profitable, they're, they're dwindling down. You know, it's not me to say that they're dead because somebody could, could be making money, but they're definitely dwindling down from what they used to be. And what you're talking about is more or less a category driven, um, full product, you know, push is being more, is driving more towards a few specific products that are going, um, uh, moving it over. Where do you think in e-com and I'm, I'll bring up Gary V here, but he had, he had released his wine. And I, I think that I saw this in like home goods or anything like that. And it just would say wine. <laughs> right. no, what do you think that the, um, uh, what do you think that this, this new concept of just kind of no brand, just Pure the minimalist, yeah, the minimalist type of thing, yeah. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I think um, who was it that did that? They did that with food. Was it Whole Foods? Yeah, nah. I think I was low-key, I think I was reading an interview about this or, or about the guy who just like it's like you know he's naming like the yeah. the type of brand that just like labels what they have. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, nah, dude. I think it's just like the minimalist type of. I mean, look, it's a minimalist type of. You know, it's a certain type of people who are who are buying that. You know, those are the people who, you know, um, not even going to say super organized, but they, I, I would, you know, it's it's a uh, um, up to date. It, it, someone, a mom with four kids is not buying that. You know the but the the couple that lives in LA you know that has a you know $4,200 I mean it's $4,200 a month rent you know balling or whatever I don't know I know LA is expensive but you know what I mean like yeah yeah, you know they're they're buying that you know because it's cool it's minimalist you know so I think it's more so just like where the trend is going like yeah you know it just looks cool and those type of people are buying it but I don't those are definitely like, like I said, the the mom of three kids is not buying a box that says cereal. Like, nah, like her kids are like Captain Crunch. Yeah. Well, and when it comes to your kids and it comes to people around you, you probably want to hear what the value proposition is of the product. You not right. psychologically, you're not thinking that, but you're kind of going, tell me why I should give this to my kid. Or right. tell me why I should have this in my body. You're looking for the actual copy. <laughs> to tell you. Right, right, exactly. The kids just want to see the cartoons. Like I gotta have something to entertain myself. Well, actually, it was really funny you said that. I was talking about um, we were talking about transformations of um, kind of tran- using the transformation and marketing in the avatar and things like that. And we were just talking about Captain Crunch. And I was like, you know, when you look back and you, the, the, the ones that you would buy that you were, I guess, drawn to, they're always like, you wanted to be that guy, right? It's like, oh, when I, <laughs> I become Lucky Charm. Right, I, right, right. I feel you, right. Those were like good times. Like you bought your cereal for the time of person that you were. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, have the tricks, get messed with up with the kids. Yeah, man, that was it. So what's the um, what's the next move for you, man? What is the 
you've now taken a few different steps. You've learned obviously some skills that are there that you take with you. Um, you have a lot of clarity. I can tell in kind of what you're doing. What's this look like for you? What do you, what did you model? Yeah, man, for sure, dude. Like the biggest thing now is just continue to grow, man. Um, ethically and in proportion, you know, um, I know it used to be, uh, obviously, uh, it still might be, it's just depending who you are, but I know the biggest thing I was noticing in the coaching industry was people going from, you know, 10K to 100K, you know, and, you know, 40K to 200K a month, you know, and I can only imagine, like, what their fulfillment system for their clients would be, like, and it would have to be shit, like, there's no way that you're prepared to go from <laughs> from uh, 10k to 100k and have some you know sustainability and have client fulfillment. You know, like there's no way. And so that's the biggest thing now. I'm focusing on the scaling, but also you know, obviously, yeah, we'll have fires and you know things like that. What business doesn't? But you know, to at least have a higher than 70 80 you know client retention happiness success rate you know and yeah dude continue to scale man um we really i it's it's funny like i just i, I love and i really i appreciate that definitely put a smile on my face of how you said like i sound confident of where i'm going and honestly jason like we just made this like accelerator in march like <laughs> um, we just made it in March and it was just like me and I had like two, I had two, I had one full-time employee and she's a, she's my VA and I had like an ads guy who was helping me with ads and like now we've grown to like fucking, I got six, seven people on the team now. We're all dialed in on how this accelerator is going to flow when a client jumps in. Everybody just knows how to do their part and it gives me confidence that they have confidence and so now all I'm looking to do now is just continue to fucking feed this beast with clients and people and slowly begin to now work myself out of the day-to-day. -day. I'm in the process of now of hiring a operations coordinator. So now she can help me with the fulfillment. So, you know, now I don't have to worry about what's going on inside the business. I really can just focus my mindset on sales. Like, let me just literally do nothing but sales and have this machine and then, then from there, slowly replace me with sales, you know, and go on and so forth and so forth. So where now I can have a profitable seven, eight figure, seven, eight figure business, you know, going without me having to touch it. Well, Kevin, this was awesome, man. I've had, I'd love to have you on again. And just the, your vibe, man, is, is super cool. You're highly intelligent and you just come across really well, man. I appreciate your time. And everybody that watches here, where can they find you? Yeah, man, like I said, man, thank you for having me on, man. I knew it was going to be like a pretty epic show, dude. So, um, yeah, best place to find me is going to be on Instagram. I'm most active on there. My IG is it's Kevin Joseph. That's just I-T-S, Kevin Joseph. Um, and from there, if you're looking to actually get more information about my consulting agency, you can just go to cmoinabox.co, not .com, .co. So cmoinabox.co. It can help you out there. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Thank you, man. Have a good one, dude. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.